Let's welcome Gil. He's Blackburn. Fresh back from Brazil. Tell us what God did up there, man. Good morning. So I just got back a couple weeks ago from Brazil. And God's doing amazing things there currently. Um, I went for the Send. Uh, So with the Send, they had three stadiums. They actually opened it up first for one stadium. And within eight hours of selling the tickets, they sold out completely. So then they got a second stadium in Sao Paulo. It sold out. So then they ended up getting a third stadium. Uh, in total, they had 150,000 people um, on February the 8th for 12 hours in the stadiums, just praising God, praying, um, different speakers. And actually, um, I went to the one in Brasilia. I was, had a ticket for the one in Sao Paulo, but I just never felt right about it. I just like, everyone's trying to go there, but I just like, God, I'm not supposed to go there. So when Brasilia opened up, which is the capital of Brazil, I knew that's where I'm supposed to go. Uh, God sent me there for that one because actually me being there opened up other people to be able to go to the sin that otherwise would not have, have gone. And uh, the president actually showed up at the one in Brasilia, and uh, it, was, it was pretty awesome. He was way up in the stands, and all of a sudden everyone, some people noticed him, just started cheering, and he ended up speaking. Uh, and just, I'm sure on the news a lot of people saw where he professed his faith in Jesus. Um, yeah. And uh, one of the first things he said was, it's so good to be here among friends. 
even better when those friends have peace in their heart. I'm here because I believe in Brazil, and we, we are here because we believe in God. So that was uh, one of the things the president said. Um, but after this thing was pretty amazing as well. Uh, if you can put the photo up that I have. So I have a photo here. So I was going back to the hotel, and I'm in a group chat with a bunch of friends that are in the uh, sin that we're going. And there were some that I didn't get to actually meet in person, so I was going to meet them at McDonald's. Uh, so this is a photo that the guy holding the McDonald's cup there is, his name's Sergio. Um, and then in the U.S. jersey is uh, Emmanuel and George, who I just met at McDonald's. But we're there, and God's timing's perfect, always. Uh, so it's like 11.30 at night. I'm like, it's tired, tiring. I've been on my feet all day. Let's go back to the hotel. And uh, then we ended up changing subjects and speaking for another 30 minutes, of course. And uh, as we're leaving, I still had to get my food and get food for the friends in the hotel. And um, you have to go through the drive-thru because they closed the inside. So we're going through the drive We're going outside, and we meet Sergio, who was just asking for some money to uh, buy some food. And we said, you know, come through the drive-thru with us. We'll, we'll get your food for you. And uh, as we're in the line, we're just asking about his life and just talking to him about God. And it, we need all three people uh, for, for this job because as I'm trying to order the food with Emmanuel, um, George, who we just met, who went to the sin as well, was able to give his testimony to, to um, Sergio. And we got the food, we prayed for it, and we asked him if he wanted to accept Jesus, and, and he did. So he confessed his life to, to Jesus that day. Um, and one thing that was pretty awesome too is, so he, he sells these candies on the street, and uh, he said he, he eats them during the day uh, when he's hungry, and he just wanted to give us something, so he gave us uh, this candy, which just was really, really special. Um, so that was pretty awesome. And I'm going to go ahead and just change to what Scott's doing in my life right now. So back in January, I went on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic, and I've always known that I was supposed to be in missions, and that trip just ignited again that fire for, for missions. So um, back in September, I, uh, God was directing me to a location. I just didn't know exactly what I was going to do in that location yet but I knew exactly where I'm supposed to go. So I went ahead and put my 10 month notice in at my job. And um, I'm gonna go to YWAM in Hawaii. I just got my acceptance letter on Friday. Um, and one awesome thing too is, um, God's given me an amazing brother in Brazil who was in the photo manual. He's actually applied as well. So we're both gonna go together in September is when it's gonna be. Um, so just keep me in your prayers for this because I need to sell my house. I need to just get rid of everything I have because I'm just going all in uh, for Jesus. Um, and I just want to share a verse too, that, a couple verses God's given me. So in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, it says, uh, Here, Here's how we can be sure that we've truly come to know God if we keep his commands. If someone claims I have come to know God by experience, yet doesn't keep God's commands, he is a phony and the truth finds no place in him. But the love of God will be perfected within the one who obeys God's word. We can be sure that we've truly come to live in intimacy with God, not just by saying I'm intimate with God, but by walking in his footsteps. And so God's just been showing to not just talk about him, but actually live it out and be his feet on the ground. And also on John 15, verse 9, uh, it says, I love you. I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually live, let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands. 
for I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. My purpose for telling you this, these things is so that, my, so that the joy that I experience with, will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Uh, so God loves us no matter what. Uh, it's just like a parent. If they, they have a child, they're going to love their child whether their child obeys them or, or not. And God's going to continue to love us. Um, the question is, are we going to obey or not? And when we don't obey, when we're in prison, a parent can only do so much for their child. Um, but when we're obeying God, when we're living in his love, then there's no limit to what he can do for us. When we're not inside of a prison, living the way we want to live, he's going to bless us and do whatever we need. So I, I just know faith. I'm just being faithful to God and going to go all in with him. And I know he's going to take care of every need. And I just have an example too of just God's giving me amazing earthly parents. Um, so one day I was just going to Aldi to get some stuff at the grocery store. And as I'm walking in, there's a sign on the door saying that the credit card machine's down. They can only take cash. So I call my mom up and I'm like, mom, do y'all have any cash? And, uh, so my dad drives, it's about five minute drive. He drives to Aldi and buys the, all the stuff I'm getting there at the store. But not only that, he also offers me the change. And I'm just like, how awesome of an example is that of God? He doesn't want to just give us the bare minimum of what we need. He wants to give us abundantly more. So that's all I have to say here. And love you guys. So go with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Say, I'm with you. I hope you're with me. I really do. Because I believe we have some hope. We have answers. We should be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within us. How many of you think there may be some people looking for hope in this hour? Looking for answers. And the answers are in us. It's Jesus. Now here's the title. This is a crazy title. And I almost battled with the Lord. I don't know if anybody ever battled with the Lord. I don't know if you've ever done that. But this title was God's Purposes and Promises in Plagues and Pestilence. Now I want to just begin by saying, how many of you know we all see in part? There are many opinions as to what's happening today. And you know, I believe all maybe have a part of the, of the picture because I know that no one has the whole loaf. The whole loaf is Jesus, the bread of life. And the way we overcome is by taking hold. And John chapter 6 speaks of that clearly. We partake of Him. We eat of Him. Eat of His flesh, drink of His blood. Remember, there were many that thought He'd lost His mind when He said that, but... He was speaking about something spiritual, the natural pointing to the spiritual. But there are many opinions, many doctrines as to what's happening today. How many of you are glad we're not, you know, we're not we're defined by our doctrines, we're defined by our love for one another. There are people that have different opinions as to the last days. Who's right? Well, we'll find out one day who's right. I just know that if you think you're too right, you're probably wrong. Because he's the one we only see through a glass dimly. And, uh, and we want to hear from him. We want to see him. So let's pray and then let's get into the word. I never heard of a title like this before. But God put it in my heart. And I ain't backing down. I'm David. 
Who does this uncircumcised Philistine think he is anyway? He's picked on the wrong crowd in my estimation. Anyway, Lord, we ask you to help us. Lord, we confess we, we can't see unless you open our eyes. We can't hear unless you give us ears to hear. And Lord, we know that many claim to have a way, but we know you're the way. Many claim today to have the truth, but you are the truth. And many today are warning us about some of the dangers and, and all of these things. Well, we know that you're the life. You're the way, the truth, and the life. And our hope is in you. And we come to you. Lord, we ask for understanding. Lord, I don't know what other believers are doing this morning, but we're calling on heaven. And we're asking God, give us understanding and help us be strong and be who you've called us to be in this hour. We're not vacating the premises. We're ready to occupy and do the will of the Father. I think Gil challenged us this morning. We say we love him, but do we do what he says? And we want to be among those that do what you say. And we don't care the cost. People have suffered greatly. Haley, all of us, Lord, we've suffered. So thank you, God, we're candidates for the glory, the greater glory. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, how many of you are glad that neither death nor life, nor principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, all these things, shall, nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. Now, if you've been watching things going on today, the media, you've seen what I've seen. There are many different opinions as to what's happening and what's going to happen. There's some using the virus as a political weapon. You know, they're in attack mode, while others are in panic mode. Others are in hiding mode, running mode. You know, I thought, well, God, some people may just want to go sit on the mode. I don't know. You know, this is a crazy time. You know, and you may want to do that. I saw since last Sunday where well, we had 30-something nations. Now we, it increased by over 100% over the week. There are over 67 nations. I've heard people say, well, this is a, and I believe it's a bioweapon. I believe that's what happened. There's been many people confirmed that. Troy confirmed it as well. People say it's a plot to depopulate the earth. I don't know about all that. It could be. I wouldn't put anything past the devil's crowd. You know what I mean? Nothing's new under the sun. I hear stuff that sounds crazy. It's not crazy if you know the heart of man. The heart of man is wicked and deceitful. Who can know it? You think you got it figured out? You're not. Some people prophesy nothing's coming. Here's what I thought when I heard those prophecies. I said, God, wouldn't this be a great day to test the prophets? Because in Deuteronomy, it said, if those who say... They're speaking for me. If what they say comes to pass, then they're really speaking for me. I wonder if we're going to hold them accountable in the days to come. We never hold prophets accountable. They prophesy at the beginning of a new year. This is what thus saith the Lord. And I wonder how many of us at the end of the year go back and look at that prophecy and say, now, did these things come to pass? We don't judge prophecy. You know, I'm just... I'm just pointing out some things that I think you know what I'm talking about. Now, some people think we're at the end of the world. Have you ever noticed sometimes you, you go through a situation and you think it's the end of the world, 
But then at the end of the day, you realize, well, you know, that wasn't that bad. You, you know, I made it to face another day. Now, I'm not, you know, totally blowing that off because I know Jesus said, I'm coming as a thief. You better get your house in order. Now, didn't he say he's coming as a thief in the night, in the night in a time of darkness? But while some are in attack mode, some are in panic mode, some are in denial mode, we need to be in God's mode. I'd, I appreciate all the opinions, and maybe they're all right. All I know is what I read in the Scripture, and I'm going to stick with that. I remember Paul challenged Timothy. And when the world, he said, in a time of great stress, men's hearts, all these things are going to go crazy. He said, you preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. You know, rebuke, exhort, all these things. And I believe that what we're facing is not primarily a political crisis. It's not necessarily a health crisis. We're facing a spiritual crisis. It's not so much what happens to the lungs of men in America and the world, whether they go into respiratory syndrome and these things. The greatest issue is the human heart. It's not the coronavirus. It's the virus called sin. That's just what I believe. And I'm going to proclaim it because I see it in the Word. Now, we need to know what God says because, you know, what else came to my mind this week? God, didn't you say your Word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path? What does that mean? A lamp tells me where I am right now. A lamp unto my feet, where I am, where I'm standing, but then also a light unto my path, where I'm going. And so all the opinions of men, they're not going to get me to where you want me to go, but when you tell me what's up, then I can get to where you've, you've called me to be. I'm going to trust your word. Now, Romans 8, we need the mindset of heaven. How many of you know that? Because you may go crazy if you listen too much to what men are saying. How many of you think this might be, there may be some truth in that? Let every... Let God be true and every man a liar. Now, we always say it doesn't mean every man's a liar. But if they disagree with what God says, every man's a liar. And um, you've got to know the truth. The truth sets you free. You know, I need to someday look at all the scriptures that people use to get us from speaking the truth. One of them is that scripture. You've got to speak the truth in love. So you feel like you can't say anything because who, who among us has enough love? God is love. We've got to have His love. But the truth is, if you tell people the truth, that is love. You tell somebody that's going to hell, and you need to say it kindly, you know, you don't have to be rough about it, but hey, man, you may be on the wrong path. If you don't get on the right path, you're going to end up in hell. I'm sorry to offend you, but that's the truth. How much more offended will they be when they get to hell? Say, why didn't you tell me the truth? You were afraid of offending me. Why didn't you offend me? You should have pulled me out of the fire as what you should have done. I was heading the wrong direction and you knew it. And you had the antidote. I'll get to the antidote later. Anyway, Romans 8. I just want to breeze through some things. But I don't know if I can breeze through them. Are you guys okay? I've got to preach this word. I've got to get it out. Romans chapter 8. Follow along, it'd be a lot better if you would. You'd see where I'm coming from. But verse 6, 
just need to be reminded, for to be carnally minded is death. To think like the world is going to produce death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is at odds or an enemy of God, at enmity against God. And it can't even be subject to the law. Look in verse 11. This is one of those game changers, and we talk about this scripture often. Remember, this is what my spiritual papa, Jack Taylor, challenged us with in Texas. I believe I'm going to get to see him again, but if I don't, this is what I'll remember. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus' dead body from the grave lives in you, you know, so we got to remember that's a game changer. When you understand that, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit, they're the sons of God. Verse 15 is very important. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You know what the fear, the, the Greek word for fear is what? Phobos, where we get our word what? Phobia. We don't, we're not to have phobias. The fear of death, the fear of heights, the fear of small places. I have to confess, I had a claustrophobic thing. And it started to hit me when I was on a trip in a little airplane with Rick Joyner. And I thought, now what are you going to do, jump out of the plane? I mean, you're going to either overcome this fear, or you're going you're to jump out of the plane, one or the other. And that would be awful embarrassing to jump out in front of Rick Joyner. I thought, you know, that would... So I just started... I'm just resisting that. I, I resist this thing. I, in the name of Jesus, I don't have a fear of claustrophobia. I rebuke that phobia. And I can go, I can go in any place now, I'm telling you. I get in those little places. We go, you know, we go to Disney World, we used to. You know, when they strapped that thing over you, it used to drive me crazy. I didn't like that thing strapped because I want to get out. But now I can strap it. Didn't the last time I was there, they strapped me. I don't care, strap me in. I ain't going back to that phobia. We don't need to go into phobia. Look, all right, verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness that we're children of God. That's how you overcome the phobias. The Spirit of God that lives in me get, bears witness with me that I'm a child of the living God. Oh, man, and then if you're a child, then you're a joint heir. Then you have to go into verse 18, for I consider the sufferings of this age, of this present time, say present time, they're not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. So this is all part of the context. And then he says that in the midst of this suffering, I have a feeling that's when the sons of God are going to be revealed. Because all of creation is crying out for the revealing. Do you think creation is crying out right now for the revealing of the sons of God? Absolutely it is. The creation is sick with a virus. We need the antidote. We need the sons of God. And so the, all of creation is crying out. And then in verse, skip down, verse 24, we don't even, verse 25, 26, we don't even know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit helps us to pray. How many of you found that's true? I'm praying more, and I've shared this with you. It's part of my lifestyle. I would encourage you, pray in the Spirit. When you're driving, when you're walking, when you're watching, when you're talking. When you're lying, when you're sleeping. There are times, you know, I pray a little in the Spirit and then I go to sleep and it is, I wake up, it's still in my mind and I'm thinking, God, I wonder if I've been praying in the Spirit all those hours. 
And I know that works. I've done that before. I know God's done that. Anyway, pray in the Spirit. Because then you're praying according to the will of God. And all these things, you know. And then in verse 31, what shall we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? You're going to have to know who's for you in this hour. God is for me. I, everybody can turn against me. But if God is for you, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 37, we're more than conquerors. More than, it didn't just say a conqueror, you're more. Verse 28, now this is what it all boils down to. And we know that all things work together for good. What things? When you pray, but also all things, even suffering. People explain that verse only in the context of prayer and the Spirit. No, it also is in the context of suffering in the present age. I like to read the whole, all the chapter, you know. You can pick a verse out and make it mean anything. We've got to know the whole counsel of God in this hour. But the truth is all things work together for good. God's purposes. I wonder if you could actually say that there are purposes in pestilence and plagues. You know, the mindset of the Western church is whatever happens that from our viewpoint looks evil has got to be of the devil. Now, nope, you're the only one that knows where I'm going. How many of you know that's the mindset? Can I go somewhere that few have not gone? Because we might as well. We, we're going to end up there anyway. We need some understanding. And I'm going to be among the overcomers. If you go to this church, you're going to be an overcomer. You will not back down, surrender, give up, fall away. Anyway, I'm not ruling out evil. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So understand. But you know, Second Chronicles 7.14, I don't see the devil anywhere. He says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and what? Heal their land. And I've shared this with you. But I see it now more than I've ever seen it. The three things God told me to focus on is God is great. God is good. And God is God. Now, many people want to focus on God is good. And we do. We want to focus on that. He is a good God. You've got to know that. In every situation. The goodness of the Lord leads you to repentance. Or the kindness. But whatever... Gets you to repentance is good regardless of what it looks like. It had to have been something kind of God to get you to a place of repentance. The goal is repentance. Lord, I've never been here before. I'm glad I'm not alone now. But America's going to get to know not only is he good, or the church. Not only is he great, but he's God. He's God. And we're going to get to shout that. You know that those first two prayers, God is good, God is great, let's thank Him for our food. Second prayer was what? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Why would you teach a kid about death? They don't do that anymore. They don't 
teach our kids about anymore, but that's part of the journey. And my evidently, whoever invented that prayer, you got to know that if something happens, you die in the midst of your sleep, man. This is a promotion, not a demotion. Death is not a demotion. It's a promotion. It's part of the journey. How many of you know one day you're going to die? And we're not rushing it. That's why we had this little workshop yesterday. You don't want to rush it. You don't want to be stupid. You be wise as a serpent. Harmless as a dove. If you know it, a train is coming and you're on the track, get off the track. You don't even, you stand there and rebuke the devil all day. I rebuke that train. I rebuke it. Stop in the name. It ain't going to work. I don't care. You've used, if you're stupid and you, you know what I'm talking about. You know, one of the scriptures is going to be emphasized today. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Who is also a loving God. He's both. He's living and He's loving. Okay, here are those two scriptures that not many people go to. Amos. Amos chapter 3. Amos is right before Andy. You guys, I use some of the same things. You get, if you're around 12 years, you have to. You don't even know who Andy was. You should look it up. Amos and Andy. I was just a little kid, but we used to watch that all the time. I don't know. They took it off. Felt like it maybe wasn't respecting. I, I don't know. As a kid, I didn't care. I just laughed. They were funny. Very funny. But anyway, this is not that funny. Amos is not as funny as Andy. Amos chapter 3, uh, verse, uh, this is the word of the Lord, verse 1. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against the whole family. O children of Israel, I brought you out of the land of Egypt. You only have I known of all the families, therefore I will punish you. I know you, so therefore I will punish you. How many of you know it's a good thing if you get punished? Because those whom the Lord disciplines are those whom He loves. Can two walk together unless they're agreed? Will a lion roar in the forest? When he has no prey, will a young lion cry out in his den? If he hadn't caught anything, will a bird fall into a snare on the earth where there is no trap for it? Will a snare spring up from the earth if it's caught nothing? If a trumpet is blown... In America, or a city, will not the people be afraid? If there's calamity in a city, will not the Lord have done it? What an amazing scripture. It's one of those you have to go back and read again. If, there, if there's calamity in a city or a nation, will not the Lord have done it? Surely the Lord God does nothing except He reveal His secrets to His servants the prophets. The word afraid means to tremble, be, to quake, to frighten, to awaken to the alarm. I wonder if America has really awakened over the last many years. So I did the next scripture is Isaiah 45. How many of you know that's a serious scripture? How many of you read that scripture before? Be honest. You read it. You're familiar with it. It's one of those you don't know what to do with. I guess maybe in this hour we might know what to do with it. 
But here's another one. Isaiah 45, verse 5. I am the Lord and there is no other. Say, He is the Lord. And there's no other. And there's no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me, though I, though they may know from the rising of the sun, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting, that there's none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Now that's the emphasis. He wants them to know that. Verse 7, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Another way to put it is the devil is not God. God is God. And the church must have an awakening that God is God. Now, over in verse 23, remember this, we'll come back. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. That to me, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall take an oath. And that's where the New Testament scripture shall confess. We know that's where that, that comes from. Now, in Romans 8, 28, all things work together. The two requirements are to what? Those who do what? Those who love Him and those who are called. According to His what? Purposes. If all things have purpose, does God do anything without purpose? Even judgments, pestilence. You know, think about, I hope all this will fit together. I need a lot of help this morning. I don't know anybody that's gone here. I knew those scriptures, but I'm going there. Remember Joseph. Who did he blame? Did he blame his... He said, yeah, you meant it for evil, but God. His hope was not in the brothers that betrayed him, that treated him evil. His confidence was in his God. God meant it for good. In other words, there's always a redemptive nature. God is redemptive, right? He's redemptive. Even in his judgments. If he gives America a big spanking, it's because God loves America. If he gives us a spanking. So there's purpose in all these things. Now, some are going to, these are some of the questions I have when I read that. But Lord, do you not know that there are those who said it could have been a bioweapon? What does that mean? Does that nullify Romans 8, 28? That all things work together for good to them that love God? Does that mean, what does that mean? It means that God is God. There are some people rebuking the devil and it's not working. Because they're rebuking, they're trying to rebuke God. I'm not saying don't draw near to God and resist the devil. I'm not saying not do that. I think there's a part that really knows how to do that. But I think the emphasis is God is God. So I'm going to show you guys with me. Are you game? So what kind of dumb message is this? I never heard of a message like, why don't you preach ABC? Jesus loves me, Jesus... I mean, that's it. That's just, I mean, it had to be pretty powerful right there. ABC says, Jesus loves me. You know, there's the goodness of God, and you know what else there is? 
The severity. We got to know. How are you going to be a good son unless you know about the severity of God? Or a daughter. You'll do like I did when I was a kid. I called for the police when my dad was whipping me. Literally. Help, police, help, police. It didn't work. He just, it got harder. My police, where's a where's cop when you need one? He, he was not in my bedroom that, that night. You guys, you know what I'm talking about. Did any of you get old-fashioned butt whippings? Did any of you, if you didn't get one, Jonathan, I'm going to give you one later on. Because you need one. You need one. We need fathers. We need fathers, it'll be fathers. Okay, so anyway, how are we going to get through this? Oh, good, we got all day. It's, not even, it's a long time before Christmas. Okay, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. You guys with me? I, I'm, you have to keep it a little bit. You got to have fun. I'm going to have fun at the end of the age. Wow, this is great, man. Did you see that? Oh, the bold judgments. Now, some people think, you know, we won't be around. And we respect and love all the people because we're not defined by doctrines. We're defined by our love one for another. God will work it all out. We only see dimly. I can only share what I've seen in the Scripture. All right, Matthew 24, you know this text. We won't go into great detail. But the first thing that he says about the end of the age in verse 4 is, Take heed that no one does what? Deceives you. So what's the number one thing that's going to happen at the end of the age? Mass deception. You think there's any mass deception going on? Everywhere. Everywhere you turn. <laughs> so that's, that's why we've been called to proclaim the truth. But then he goes on. He gets a little bit more exciting than that. There's going to be wars. Did you see, was there an airplane shot down, a jet shot down over Syria? Was a Syrian jet... So Turkey and Russia, things are happening, you know, in the midst of all this stuff. There are wars and rumors of wars. Well, the Lord told us. This is all written in red. See that you're not troubled. The end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom. And there shall be what? Famine. I don't, I'm not necessarily looking for, forward to a famine. I'm not prophesying a famine. You don't have to prophesy. You just look in the Bible. Pestilence. Some people would like to leave that out. Earthquakes and all these things. They're the beginning of sorrows. But anyway, in the midst of all... Now, pestilence can be a pandemic. In the midst of all these things, people are going to betray one another. Then you're going to have false prophets rise up. False prophets, we know how to discern them. If what they say comes to pass... They've heard from God. If what they say doesn't come to pass, they've not heard from God. That's all I know. How many of you would agree? Simple as that. You obviously... If my dad told me something to say and I said it, it's obvious. It would, it, it, it's my dad. If I said what I wanted to say, then it would come out. This is going to be a great time. Malachi, oh man, we got to get there sometime. It says not only will God divide the wicked from the, you know, the righteous from the wicked. Who else is going to, he's going to divide in, in the last chapter of, when well, almost the last chapter there in Malachi. Who else is he going to divide? 
those who served him from those who did not. That's, that's going to that's gonna be, that's when the rubber meets the road. There'll be a lot that we thought served him, and on that day we'll find out they did not serve him, they served themselves. They built their own kingdom rather than the kingdom. I'm just saying now we got to get on. But how, what is to be our attitude in the midst of all these things that Jesus said were coming about, coming to pass. Don't worry. Don't be troubled. The end is not yet. Endure to the end. And what else? Preach the gospel. That's the hope. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached. You know what that tells me? No coronavirus is going to hinder the gospel of the kingdom from being preached. It's going to be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end shall come. So what do we do in the midst of all these events? We endure and we keep preaching the gospel. So the first point, I have 12 of them. Are you guys, I'll go fast. You listen fast. This is not one of those you can do a part one and part two because I don't know what's going to happen between now and this next week. Every, everything may change. It may fizzle out. Prove to be a dud. Then if you got part two hanging in the balance, what are you going to do? I don't know all. I don't know all that's going to happen. Does anybody know everything? You don't know. All I know is what God said, and I'm going to stick to it. And I know that there are purposes and promises in the midst of plagues and pestilence. And the first one is, how would you sum up what we read? That is, hey, there's coming an end one day. There's coming an end. There's going to be a day of reckoning. These are the signs. Get ready. Get your house in order. There's going to be a day when it's all over. The end of the age. Jesus spoke about it. And then the next thing is Psalm 91. Now, this is a really good one. You've you got to see this. Because we're going to have to have some understanding. Lord, you've got to show us how we're going to survive here. Unless you're opening our eyes. And He is. He is. He is. How many of you know He is? He's given us wisdom to be overcomers and to be more than conquerors. They're going to come to you guys, your friends. Hey, man, what's going on? The world's going crazy. Can you do have any answers? I got a bunch of answers. First of all, Jesus. And then you can go into His Word. But anyway, look at this. Psalm 91, dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. How many of you think that could be a good idea in this hour? Dwelling. Not popping in and out. It's not about going to church. It's about dwelling in Him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all day. Okay, I will say the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my refuge. People want to find a place of refuge. You could come here if you want to. But if you make Him your refuge where you live, you'll be in a place of refuge. He will, now look, He goes on. He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence, plague, disease, pandemic. He shall cover you with his feathers and under you, under his wings, you shall take refuge, his truth. Verse 6, nor, you're not going to be afraid, you're not going to have a phobia, all these things of the arrow by night, you know, by day, the flies by day, the pestilence, verse 6, that walks in darkness. But look at verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand did you see that? You don't leave that part out. 
10,000 people may fall, but it shall not come near you. And then it says, only with your eyes you will see what? The reward of the wicked. I've got other scriptures I could go to, but is everybody in agreement there will be a reward for the wicked? It's just another way of saying you may think you're God. You may think your form of government, and socialism is a form of government that pretends to be God. But there will come a day that God will prove to be God. And every knee will bow. Every t- I don't care. You can build the greatest socialist utopia. Every knee will bow. Now the truth is we're all guilty. We've all sinned. I was going to read out of Revelation chapter 16. It really fits well with this, but I'll skip that. You can read it this week. Revelation 16, verse 4 through 7. It's a vital message for the time. But the truth is that everyone outside of Christ is still somehow hunkered down under the wrath of God, right? For the wrath of God is being revealed against all unrighteousness of men, is revealed. But you and I, if if you've been to Jesus, are not appointed to wrath. So you will see the wrath of God, but you won't feel the wrath of God. Does this make sense? Now, some would say, what about the righteous? You're you're preaching this word, but what about the righteous who die in the coronavirus? I don't have all the answers to this. All I know is the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Death is not the end for the believer. Death is just the beginning of all of the inheritance of which he's been waiting for and which has been laid up for him. And he will live forever and ever. Though you die, yet shall you live in Christ Jesus. The safest place to be is in Christ Jesus. Okay, number three. So the second one was the reward of the wicked. First one is pestilence, plagues. It's a sign that we're living at toward the end, and there will come an end. It's going to happen eventually. Not when someone says it's going to happen, but these are signs. And then secondly, it's a reward of the wicked. And then the third with Second Chronicles, and we already we did a whole message on this. Remember Second Chronicles chapter 20. That's a scripture for the year 2020. And anyway, here it is, verse 9. If disaster comes, Second Chronicles 29... If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before the temple and in your presence and we will cry out, for this temple is called by your name and you will hear and you will save. What's that saying? In other words, those who really know his name, those who he's written their name on their foreheads, they will call out to him and he will deliver them. And that's what the Scripture... Remember Exodus 14, after all the plagues ended, the Egyptians pursued them, overtook them. They went out with great boldness, and then the Egyptians showed up, pursued them, overtook them. They began to fear. They cried out to God. God told Moses, do not be afraid. Run and hide. No, what did he say? Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you. 
So plagues and pestilence is an opportunity to stand still and see the salvation of God that He has determined over His people. That's all I know. Now, that's only three of about 12, so stay with me. The fourth one. Do you know that the plagues in, in Exodus actually correspond with their judgments against specific gods that the people worshipped in Egypt. I, did, I mean, I knew a little about that, but I was with Steve Evans this week. Steve's a precious man among us. You know, if you don't know him that well, he lost two wives, died. Instead of becoming bitter, he's become better. Sweet, precious. You can call you see, If you know Steve, you can, call, you can get away with calling him that. He's, he's that kind of man. Tender-hearted before the Lord. Anyway, showed me a book he's reading. I didn't have time to read it. It's called The Wormwood Prophecy. It sounded really scary. You know, he told me a little bit about it. I said, hey, Steve, there's enough going on right now. Can I save that, you know, for, you know maybe even for another day when life is boring? But I did look at one chapter. And I, it, it's there. All of those plagues were designed to judge a particular God that the people worshipped. And they also fit with revelation in the judgments that are revealed in the revelation. Look over in Exodus real quick. Exodus 12. Nobody's bored yet, are you? You guys still with me? Okay, because like I say, we don't want part two. Anyway, uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. Now, who will pass through? Who's speaking? God. I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. And I, it doesn't say I, but I, you might as well put I there. Nothing's changed. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt. And I will execute judgment. For I am the Lord. How many of you know that God speaks that way? All you have to do is read it. I am the Lord. Verse 13. Now the blood shall be a sign over you of the houses, you know. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I... I. The emphasis was when I strike... Verse 23, for the Lord will pass through to strike. Sounds like God's a serious God. In other words, the Lord killed them. I could show you other scriptures too. We could really go into this. He almost killed, was it Moses? He would have killed Moses, but his, somebody, his wife. And then who's the one? The donkey saved him. Yeah, he would have met his demise. The angel of the Lord was there ready to rip him to shreds. His donkey started speaking to him. That's what we need today. We need some donkeys in the land that rise up, walk into the White House. You, get, you might could get away with it. Anyway, it, God is sovereign, not the devil. They didn't fear the devil. Now, you said, well, that was the destroyer. In one of the verses, it says the destroyer. It sure did. Most of them says God. The key is they didn't fear the destroyer. They feared. They should have feared God. Those that feared God. 
There was one time God even spoke to them. Well, I'll get there in a minute. I'll show you that. But here's another example. Job. Now, Satan shows up at the beginning of Job's experience. Remember, can I sit? Can I, you know, give me permission, all this? But at the end, if you ever noticed, Job never did blame the devil. Satan showed up. You don't mention him anymore. Job didn't blame the devil. Job feared God. So can I not accept blessing and not accept adversity? He had a different opinion of God than, than most Americans do. Much of the American church. I tell you, America's issue at this moment is not the coronavirus. We've got to respond to the trumpet of God. The antidote is not some... I'm not going to trust some vaccine anyway. I'm just telling you. Now, they may lock me up for saying that. So be it. I have a different vaccine. When we were on our prayer call Tuesday night with the mighty men praying, this man from Oklahoma says, i got to share a vision I had. You, you know John. John is so faithful. Every When we pray, he's, he's on the call from Thomasville, North Carolina. we got guys from... California, every every time. He's Canada. Keith from Canada. This guy from Oklahoma is very faithful. He said, I've got to share. The other day I had a vision. I stopped at a red light, I believe is what he said. And this white mist came in. The window was down and a white mist came into the car. He said, I started to panic a little. Then he said, followed by a red mist. And peace came over me. I was not going to fear the white mist. I had faith in the red and the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, there's something that separates us from the rest. It's called the blood. Now, the ten plagues, real quick. Water to blood, frogs. Can you imagine? Fro- Why frog? How many of you don't like frogs? Especially in your house. This would not be a fun one. Lice, flies. We had a fly the other day. How can a fly get into your house in wintertime? And every time I get the swatter, the fly would move. Everything. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. Then the death of the livestock. Boils. Hail. God gave them hail. That's what He gave them. That's the truth. I'm not. He did. And you remember, this is where His mercy, He said, look, the word of the Lord to Moses was, tell the people, even the Egyptians, take your cattle, your livestock, and your servants, put them in the house. If you don't, they will die in the field. Did you ever notice God, even in that, judgment showed mercy? But though it says in the Scripture, you can look it up, those who feared the word of the Lord did exactly what Moses told them to do. And not, the hail did not get them. But those who had no fear of the word of the Lord, they were, <laughs> yeah, the dart, the hail, that was not just the normal hail. It's darting to the earth. It was horrible, terrifying. The fear of the Lord, he rained down on them. They didn't fear. They shouldn't have feared. It wasn't going to do any good to fear the hail. It, the key was, did they have a fear of God? You could fear all the viruses you want. Does America have a fear of God in this hour? The people in our capital, do you fear God? 
And then the plague of locusts. Did you know there's a real plague of locusts going on right now as we speak in Africa? How many of you knew that? This is an incredible time we're living. It was in Kenya, Somalia, and um, Uganda. It's moved into the west, western part. And they said it must be stopped. Devastation. And um, I heard one report in one nation, no, it's Kenya, that uh, the soldiers had these little cans. They were out in the field spraying the can. I wonder if that worked. How would that? Billions. It's a real plague. It was not the first time. In 1927, there was, they said there, there were just a couple of dozen locusts showed up in some African country. Fourteen years later, five million square miles have been eaten. Twice the size of the United States. Darkness. Then the death of the firstborn. Now go to Exodus 7. Exodus 7. And verse 3 through verse 5, he says, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. That's interesting. My signs and my wonders. What were they? Plagues. You're not supposed to read this part of the Bible. But Pharaoh will not heed you, and I'm, that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies, say my armies, and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. So let's look quickly. We've already named four of them. I'm going to breeze through about eight more, okay? The first one, why plagues, why pestilence? Eventually, this thing is going to wind down. So it's a sign. These are signs pointing to an event of the end of the age. And we know what we're to do all the way up. And then the wicked. It's a reward of the wicked. God has a lot of patience. But there will be a day then He will say, that's enough. I mean, if you know that's true. He's a just judge. There's the goodness of God, but if you reject the goodness of God, then you receive the severity. And then it's an opportunity for the righteous to see the salvation of the Lord if they're dwelling in His presence. And then pestilence and plagues are judgments against the gods of this world. How many of you think there may be a few gods in America that need judged? We've not, a, it's not, our, poli, our, our political things are not getting these gods tum, coming, tumbling down. The judgments of God will bring them down. Do you know that um, in China, the president Xi Jinping, is that the way you pronounce? This was in 2014. He commanded, well, it was a law, demanded the people take down any picture of Jesus in their homes and put his picture up in, in the place of Jesus. He was basically saying, Jesus will not save you. Xi Jinping, I will save you. How did that work out? But in America today, there are many gods on our money. I know it says, in God we trust. But I wonder which God. God will have no competitors. He said, I am alone. I am the Lord. 
If we really had a lot of time, remember Elijah and the, con- the confrontation. We, these are the days you guys get to live in, David. Standing before the prophets of Baal. Taunting them. Okay, let's see what your God does. You know, you build a sacrifice, pour water, all this stuff, you know. Call on your God. You know what their God was, where was he, on vacation or sleeping? But Elijah called on the name of the Lord. And at the end, you know what happened? The people literally said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. There's going to be a day. The scripture says every knee shall bow and every tongue. Now, I know that may be at the ultimate end, but I'm telling you, there'll be people that say the Lord, because if, if we become who we're, we're called to be in this hour, there will be people in America that will say, your God is the Lord God. He is truly God. And there's no other. I'm telling you, if we'll be the people we've been called to be. Let it be known. I, I'd love to declare to America this morning, let it be known to you, that God is God in America. And there's no other. He is Lord. Okay, so another Let's go back to chapter 5. Another reason was to bring the people out of bondage of the system of Egypt. Now, Egypt represents what? The world. I wonder if we are in bondage to the world in any way. Now, I thank God for all the breakthroughs in medicine. There's some people that would not be here. So understand me in context. If it was not, there's certain breakthroughs. I just know that God is the God of breakthrough. He evidently gave someone knowledge. Polio is a good example, you know, and they came up with the answer. So people, there's very few, get polio. But you know how many people in America today are addicted to pharmacia? And did you know, what is it, 80-something or 90? What is it, percent of the prescription drugs used in America are made, guess where? China. Think about it. Now, just think about the possibility. Okay, some of the people would not be able to get their medication. Now, that's going to be a big issue right there. But what if the church was armed and ready and dangerous? And what the world couldn't fix, they only fixed by their sorcery. That's what pharmacia, right? Everybody know that's what that word means in Revelation. Pharmacia. Sorcery, witchcraft. What if God had a people? And in the name of Jesus Christ, what, what, what the, the world temporarily fixed, God permanently took care of. I'm just asking, what would that be amazing? If we, the blood of Jesus really was enough. Oh man, this could be an exciting time, you see. Not, it's scary if you think about, and your hope is in the world. It could also be the most exciting time. And then the next thing, chapter 4. 7 verse 4 this is what I like but Pharaoh my, but Pharaoh will not heed you so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring out my what? my armies or if you look it up it's actually the word the host but isn't the host the Lord of the host the Lord of heaven's armies so this is armies he's not talking about heaven's armies here he's talking about earth's armies he's talking about the people of God becoming the army of God that would rise up 
What if in the midst of a plague and pestilence, God raised up a mighty army in the earth? What kind of God is that? What kind of plan? God, you must be God is all I know. Only God could raise up an army from a pestilence. And that you think about it. This is amazing. He must be God. That's all I know. You know that song we used to sing God's, when we were kids? God's got an army. He's marching through the land. Deliverance is their song. There's healing in their hand. Everlasting joy and gladness in their heart. And in this army, what? I've got a part. We should have remembered that song. Just like you remember, now I lay me down to sleep. You need to remember. God's got an army. God's got an army. We've been, people have been trying to, they had conferences raising up the army of God. God has a plan that will not fail. All right, the next thing, Exodus chapter 8 and verse 6. Look, turn over a page. You, nobody's checked out yet, right? You guys, nobody's fallen asleep. I saw somebody yawning. Yawning. It's okay. We're going to have baptism in just a little bit. Whoever wants to be. So I got to go quick. But anyway, I, this, this would take, this is like a book. God, this would, I could have a class on this. This is really amazing stuff to me. How many of you get amazed when God shows you stuff? Sometimes I'm thinking about stuff He showed me, and then I read the daily reading. I thought, God, this is better than what you showed me yesterday. This is be way better than what I'm preaching. I've, I've done that before. I said, God, i got to start over. I mean, it was good what you gave me. Now this is even way better. I want it to keep happening that way. God's Word is coming alive. Okay, Exodus 8, 6 through 10. Okay. Anyway, Aaron stretched out his hand, and the magicians did so. And they, they, you know, they for a while could do, they could repeat what God's, what Moses did. But then there come a time they couldn't do anymore. And uh, they were made a public spectacle of. But in verse 10, so he said, tomorrow, and he said, let it be according to your word that you may know that there's no one like the Lord our God. Another reason, a purpose of pestilence and plagues is so the world will know that there's no one like our God. Psalm 86, give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplication. In the day of my trouble, in the day of pestilence, I will cry, I will call upon you, for you will answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, O Lord, nor are there any works like our God. His works. Verse 10. For you are great and you do wondrous things. For you alone are God. We put our trust. And I thank God for all the doctors. But there's one greater. He's the great physician. And he's going to prove that. He's going to prove it to the people of China. He's going to prove it to the people of South Korea. Many of our brothers, sisters, believers that love God. God's going to show up. Just say that. Say, there's no one like our God. No, no, make it personal. There's no one like my God. And then in chapter 8, verse 22, there are two things out of this that you'll see. And in that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarm of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. And I will make a difference between my people and your people. Two things. Next thing is, what will God do? What are the purposes and plagues and pestilence? 
He will show once and for all that there is a God that is dwelling in the midst of the land. That means in the place where people find themselves living every day. People in America need to know that He's not just a God that they proclaim on Sundays that dwells in that building that they created. No, He's God in the back alleys. He's God behind the Kmart, if there is any more Kmarts. He's God everywhere you turn. He's God in the midst of the land. And then He's a God that makes a difference. He makes a distinction between the people of the world and the people that put their trust in Him. Remember David said, where am I going to make my bed? Even if I make it in hell, Sheol, the grave, you show up because you're always with me. And He'll be there. And then the next thing, not only to make a difference, but Exodus chapter 9, you can read this later, verse 13 through verse 16. It basically says that His name might be declared in all the earth. Now, it seems like the, the virus is moving 67 nations. This time next Sunday, it may be 167. I don't know. There are people rebuking it. Just see what God's up to. But I can tell you, a nation like Iran, in the midst of revival, they're going to declare to Iran that there's a God that reigns. He's, his name is going to be declared. Italy, Italy for the most part doesn't know the Lord. It's time for Italy. God's going to raise up people to proclaim the gospel in Italy with signs and wonders following. The real ones, that's what happens. Signs and wonders. Now what did God said His signs were? Plagues and pestilence. My signs and my wonders. I will do in the midst of the land. Well, we're going to see the signs and wonders now. You look in the New Testament. What are they? Raising the dead. Healing the sick. Casting out the demons. Preaching. This is the best time, guys, to be a child of the King. And then in chapter 9, verse 29, that we may know the earth is the Lord's, the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. And then, again, His purpose in plagues and pestilence is to reveal His nature and His character. This is the last one. You ready for this? Are you ready? Let me say, are you ready for this? If you're not, I'm going to turn that music on. I'm ready for this. Look at this. This is great. Chapter 15. Look what came out of the plagues. Oh, this is great. Exodus 15. Verse 26. There was so much more I could have read. Oh, maybe when I get to heaven, I'll get to still be a preacher. There is an eternal gospel, isn't there? It does say that. Maybe there'll be people up there. I get unfolding revelation, continual revelation. of the. You'll never run out. You're never going to gain it all. Yeah, I think it's an ongoing revelation of the Son of God. For all of eternity... More and more. And then you think, wow, God is awesome. Your wows will grow to even bigger volumes. The wows. But now this is a wow. Look in verse 26. What came out of the plague? And he said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, give ear to His commandments and keep all of His statutes, I the devil will put, no, I will put 
none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Jehovah what? Rapha. That's it. That's the revelation. Jehovah Rapha. He wanted to show Himself, His nature and character, His goodness. Out of the midst of the plagues, God showed Himself strong to a people that would put their trust in Him. And that's where we are, guys. You can listen to CNN. Or you can listen. Or you can listen to Him. Thank you, God, for Your Word. Thank you, God. Lord, none of us can see the whole loaf. We only see through a, das, a glass dimly. We see just a part. And we thank You the whole part is Jesus. He's the whole loaf. He's the bread of life. And Lord, we thank You that none of this caught You off guard. Lord, You show us, give us revelation. I thank you, God, there will be plagues that will show up and we will rebuke and they will turn around almost instantly in the name of Jesus. But God, I also know that you're still God and there will be other purposes in mind. Some of them will be to reveal those who really heard from you from those who didn't. Those who said they were speaking for God from those who were only dreaming of speaking for God. But I also know, God, that you used the plagues to raise up an army, to show your grace and mercy over people, the reward of the wicked. Lord, one thing you said, it's just a sign of the times to get you to look up. Your redemption draws nigh, but don't get caught up in that. Get caught up in preaching the gospel and enduring to the very end. Your redemption will draw nigh. I promise you. Lord, I thank you that you're going to reveal your name as Jehovah Rapha. God, I ask you to reveal your name as Jehovah Rapha in Italy. I declare that prophetically in the name of Jesus. I declare a harvest of souls out of Italy. I declare, I pray that out of this plague will rise up the testimony of Jesus Christ. And that Italy will become a sheep nation. That its destiny is to become. And I declare that over the nations of the earth. And Lord, I ask you to show yourself strong to America. Thank you, God, we were made for moments like this. And there's an army that's arising. It's not just here, but all, to, all over the nation. It's a remnant, but they're going to carry your name. They've been washed by your blood, and they will obey you and see the salvation of God. So I thank you, God. I thank you. This is amazing. Thank you, God, for showing somebody simple like me stuff like this out of your word. It's a treasure. Thank you. We really, it is really true. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And the flesh withers and the flower fades and the word of man and all this stuff will pass away. But the word of our God endures forever. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Bless the Lord. It's good to see you.